0: welcome to the q and podcast i'm jacob k you're listening to me practice playing guitar in quarantine bothering my roommates where i've been for about a month right now i'm recording this podcast in my closet in astoria and since we're all sheltering in place we thought it would be nice to put together an episode by you the listeners We reached out and asked you all to send in your stories about how you've been dealing with the COVID-19 crisis, how it's changed your life, and what you're doing to help in this great time of need. And we got some really great responses. We heard from a leader of a nonprofit, a state senator, a candidate for the state assembly, a playwright, and a dear friend of mine. And we're gonna play you those stories now, largely unedited. When I was putting the show together, I was really struck by the ahs and the ums And the random breaths and all the sounds that we make when we're talking and you know we normally try and take all of those out while we're editing the show but we felt that it would be nice to leave them in for this one because there's a certain intimacy and closeness that all those random sounds bring at least that's how i feel about it so without further ado let's hear from some of our listeners we hope you enjoy and we hope you're staying safe Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas is running for state assembly, which is challenging in its own right. But when the pandemic hit, things got even harder. But Gonzalez-Rojas has taken it in stride and used it as an opportunity to help others.
1: Hi, my name is Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, and I'm 43 years old and I live in Jackson Heights, Queens. And I actually am a candidate for the New York State Assembly for the 34th Assembly District, which includes Jackson Heights, East Elmhurst, Corona, and Woodside, and previous to that, I've been running a nonprofit organization focusing on uh, public health, women's rights, and Latinas' access to health. And it's interesting because when I first decided to run, I was thinking about the hurdles before me leaving a job that I love, um, balancing having a young son, an eight year old son, um, with the responsibilities to go to Albany, uh, whether I could raise enough money, uh, whether I'd get you know, whether I win, (laughs) it's a big risk. I had to quit my job to to do this race. Um, But never in a million years did I have to wonder whether there'd be a global pandemic that would strike in the middle of this campaign. I had to ask myself that question on Wednesday, March 11th. Um, We were in the middle of petitioning, trying to get signatures to get on the ballot. And by Thursday, it was very evident that This was a very, very contagious virus. It was very dangerous. And I did not want to put the health and safety of my volunteers, of the public, of myself, uh, at risk. And as someone who cares deeply about public health and expanding health access to everyone, I had to make the hard decision to suspend petitioning. At the time, we thought we were suspending it just for... A moment right just for a few days a few weeks um, but it was became very clear that this needed to stop uh, and it was a risk because that could have meant me not getting on the ballot um, but as the cases of coronavirus started increasing and we started seeing uh, deaths in new york it became much more scary uh, and much more clear that as a campaign we needed a shift from what a traditional campaign would do, to supporting those in need. And we immediately shifted to doing mutual aid calls. We did phone banks every night. We're still doing phone banks every night to check in on our neighbors, on seniors in particular, to see what is needed um, and how we can connect them to resources or essential items. Uh, And it's been hard. It's been hard uh, making those calls because... People are asking for some of the most basic things, like access to food, medicine, toilet paper. Uh, I actually was able to deliver toilet paper and soap to an elderly couple a few blocks away. And at the time I didn't have a face mask because I didn't want to take that away from essential health personnel. So I wrapped my face in a bandana. Uh, I did have rubber gloves in my house and I, went to their building, I rang their bell and, and ran down the hall, because <laughs> I wanted to stay within well within the six feet uh, distance. And they uh, opened the door, and thankfully I didn't scare them, <laughs> um, but they opened the door, they waved to me from down the hall to let me know that they got their items and that they were really grateful for that. Um, and that's what we've been doing. That's what we've been doing is, is calling folks and connecting them to resources. Uh, And as the days have gone on, the needs have been greater. Um, It's been much, much harder to do this work because uh, the food insecurity is real, the lack of access to medicines, um, the inability to go outside, um, the concerns about making rent, um, and whether they can stay in their homes is very real. While this is certainly not the campaign I thought would happen. (laughs) Um, It was, it's certainly allowing allowing me to rise to the occasion of of being a community leader. Uh, And that's very humbling. As someone who cares deeply about the community, uh, it's been really, really important to connect in this way, in this moment. And not only have we shifted to phone banking, we also moved from what we would have done around like town halls and issues around, um, that we were presented in in a town hall format, we went to move towards a virtual town hall format. And we've uh, touched on topics uh, such as the coronavirus itself, uh, mental health, uh, cooking and and making delicious food with what you have in your pantry, rent and know your rights and rent for tenants. Uh, and and other issues that um, really impact the community. So here we are, Um, I'm just a few blocks from Elmhurst Hospital uh, in the epicenter of the epicenter. And I um, tragically hear sirens regularly, ambulances going by um, and it's heart-wrenching, but I know our community will pull through. I know that we're resilient. I know that it's actually showing the beauty of our community, we're pulling together, we're helping one another out, and I know we'll get through this together. So thank you for listening to my story.
0: That was Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas. Next up, we have Carol Wasey, the CEO of Women Creating Change, a New York nonprofit that supports civic engagement for underserved women.
2: Hi, my name is Carol Wasey. I live in Forest Hills. I'm also the CEO of a nonprofit called Women Creating Change. We're based in Manhattan, but we serve all five boroughs of New York City. So at at Women Creating Change, we're continuing with our mission, which is to expand opportunities for women to be civically engaged. And even under these circumstances, we know it's really important to do that. For example, uh, we're currently continuing our push for everyone to complete the census, whether they do it online or by phone, it's more important than ever that we ensure everyone, everyone, uh, whether a citizen or not a citizen, um, a child under five, somebody who is uh, housing insecure and moves that we wanna make sure that they are also counted and we're really committed to that work As somebody who's been in the nonprofit sector for over 20 years, I'm really inspired by the other nonprofits that are continuing to do those works, especially the ones that are on the front lines helping our most vulnerable New Yorkers. I'm also just generally been really impressed by the nonprofit community, really sharing resources and ideas This is a time when everyone's resources are stretched, when people really aren't available. And it's great um, to be able to come together in that way. For example, I'm a part of a network of women executive directors called the Women's Leadership Council, and we're having a happy hour video chat today. We're going to share our resources. We're going to share our joys over the past couple of weeks and also share our challenges. One of the things that's been shared within that group and many others is so many opportunities. And for example, here in New York City, the New York City COVID-19 Response and Impact Fund. It's a loan and grant program that many nonprofits are coming together to fund, New York Community Trust, Bloomberg, Carnegie, and many others. Um, So that's a great resource to share. There's also the current stimulus bill that has loans and grant opportunities. Um, So people really are recognizing the importance of the nonprofit community and wanting to support us during this difficult time. On a personal front, I'll just share, here I am. I run a nonprofit. Uh, I work full-time, but I'm also a mom. I have twin five-year-olds who go to PS144 in Forest Hills. And they've shifted to online learning, so I'm spending a good chunk of my day with them online, making sure they're moving ahead with their work. They're only five, um, so I'm taking it all with a big grain of salt. But I've been so impressed with their educators who were not prepared for this, but have really risen to the challenge. And not only do they do daily sessions with the kids, but they've done weekly meetings with the parents. We call it our parent therapy. Although our teacher yesterday, Mr. Ryan said, gosh, I didn't realize this would be such therapy for me as the educator. Um, And then I'm trying to Combine that with getting the kids some fresh air when we can, being very cautious, of course, about that, some online play dates, some fun projects, and just trying to keep their schedule as normal as possible. What I have to say is as somebody who's worked full-time for their whole lives, It is challenging because I am trying to balance still working and being a mom, but I'm getting a lot more time with them. And I I feel like in some ways I'm getting to know my kids in a different way than I have when I've been working full time and squeezing in time during the week and then having big chunks of time on the weekend. So there are upsides um, and we can see them very clearly. Um, I know there are a lot of challenges people are facing, physical challenges, mental health challenges economic challenges and social challenges. But I've been really inspired by the way the community is coming together online to support each other. Forest Hills Parents Group has been a great source of ideas uh, in so many realms, but especially with the kids. And it just gives me hope to see how Queens has really come together. Um, I've lived here for about 10 years now. It's such a great place. People are resilient and really coming together and supporting each other. I can't wait till hopefully not too far from now we can all get together, get outside, um, enjoy each other's company in person again. And what I really feel is that, you know, we hopefully will have a lot of learnings, both personal learnings as well as societal learnings, and that will ultimately make everybody stronger. And I just really want to wish everyone good health and uh, hope to see you all very soon.
0: That was Carol Wasey. Next up, we have State Senator Joe Adabo. He reached out to let us and his constituents know how they can continue to use his office as a resource during this crisis.
3: Hi, this is State Senator Joe Adabo, and I hope all who are listening are staying safe during these trying times. In an effort to comply with the coronavirus procedures, my staff and I are working in alternating shifts at two of my district offices, Middle Village and Howard Beach, which are both open at reduced hours Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and we are having our constituents adhere to the six-foot social distancing policy. The main priority for my staff and I is to gather as much relevant, credible information and resources related to the virus for those who have questions regarding working, businesses, students, parents, seniors, and more. I receive daily updates on the city, state, and federal level, and my team and I are getting the most up-to-date information out to our residents. Anyone can contact my team or I by calling one of our three offices, which also have a live 24-hour operator for your convenience. The Howard Beach office can be reached at 718-738-1111. The Middle Village office can be reached at 718-497-1630. And the Rockway office can be reached at 718-318-0702. You can also contact me on Facebook at Senator Joe Adabo and on Twitter at S-E-N Joe Adabo. Thank you again. Stay safe. And if I could be of any help, please let me know.
0: That was State Senator Joe Adabo. Next up, we have Mia Ray Smith a writer who tells us her story from her apartment in Rego Park.
4: Before all this happened, I wrote a new solo play and I was headed to Philadelphia to a workshop. I was submitting my play to festivals and I was due to perform at a college in April. My vision board was coming to life. And then the COVID-19 outbreak happened and everything was canceled. I'm sitting inside of my studio apartment in quarantine on the 11th floor in Queens. I can hear the sounds of sirens every couple of minutes. The silence lives in the hallway. I don't hear people coming on and off the elevator. No sound of my neighbor's son's laughter. The sun is glaring through my window like a bright, warm spring, sunny day. The sun is a gift. Even if I can't go outside. Yesterday, I read that Queens is the epicenter of the coronavirus. In the article, there was a refrigerated truck that had been stationed outside of Elmhurst Hospital to hold the bodies of the deceased. I'm less than 10 minutes away. The fear and anxiety comes in my body like a wave. I took a meditation class on Zoom to ground myself. During my meditation class, I did this visualization exercise and I started to picture the faces of my family members and how amazing our next gathering will be. Queens is a resilient, vibrant, colorful, flavorful borough, and I'm holding on until the next time I can taste those dishes. See the resilient people in their vibrant, colorful personalities. That is the epicenter of New York. I would like to thank all the essential workers who are risking their lives for our well being. And I'm going to end this audio by sharing one of my favorite quotes Ships don't sink because of the water around them, ships sink because of the water that gets in them. Don't let what's happening around you get inside of you.
0: That was Mia Ray Smith. Lastly, Rachel Rippertow is a reporter based in New York City. Well, she was based in New York City. She's waiting out the coronavirus with her parents back in Nashville, Tennessee, which she'll tell you all about. Just a note, Rachel is also a dear friend of mine, and I'm excited to see her when she returns, and it's safe to go to a bar and grab a beer.
5: I um, live in Ridgewood, Queens, um, with two other roommates in a three-bedroom apartment, and it's actually... a probably would be a pretty nice place to quarantine it's a first floor apartment with a big backyard and there's a grocery store across the street um and i i love my neighborhood um but i am not actually in queens right now i decided to go home to nashville tennessee where my parents live just to kind of wait out the duration of this i think it was probably the right choice i know that there's a lot of people right now that are um Getting angry at New Yorkers who are leaving New York and, you know, potentially bringing whatever illnesses they've picked up to their hometown, um, which is something that I was really concerned about. I left two weeks ago, so it was scary, but I ultimately felt like it was the right thing to do. We have like a, a big back patio, um, screened-in porch that I sit and do all my work in and k- kind of look at the trees and hear the birds, um, which is nicer than uh, even my queen's backyard. And, you know, I have a dog that I can walk and, and kind of go and runs around my neighborhood. feels a little bit uh, less claustrophobic here. I have kind of like a sore throat, today and uh, the past couple days and that really freaked me out um but then I realized that allergies do exist and I do have them and uh Tennessee is filled with pollen so uh moral of the story is I decided that it was better to go home than (laughs) uh, annoy my roommate to death in our railroad queen's apartment and I think it was the right choice we'll see you know my mom and I haven't killed each other yet and uh living with my parents has probably provoked some uh childhood PTSD reverted me to an angsty teen uh in some ways but in other ways it's good it's a easier routine and I'm not spending any money which is awesome so you know I'm, I'm glad I got out when I did <music>
0: That was Rachel Ripito. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the QNS podcast. As a reminder, you can head to QNS.com to get all the latest updates on the COVID 19 crisis, as well as other Queen's news. If you were inspired to share your own story while listening to this episode, please do. You can reach out to us and email me at jkaye, that's my last name, k, at schnepsmedia.com. Again, that's jkaye.com at schnappsmedia.com. And to all those who did send something in for this episode, we really, really appreciate it. I'll only speak for myself, but it brought me a lot of joy to listen to your stories. This episode was produced, hosted from Inside a Closet, edited and mixed by me, Jacob Kay, Our reporters are Jenna Backall, Carlotta Muhammad, Bill Perry, and Angelica Acevedo. Our editor is Zach Welb. published by Schneps Media. See you soon.